Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 149. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the creative team behind the Vermont humor book, I Could Hardly Keep From Laughing, author Bill Mears and illustrator Don Hooper. Don and Bill, how you doing? Oh, we're in better. We'd be in jail. Our logins feeling so good. <laughs> So this isn't your first collaboration the two of you worked together on, correct? Well, yes and no. I mean, we actually collaborated on a book when he had, well, it really got its origin because we we met in the legislature in 1985. And, uh, and then uh, I was doing books with uh, Frank Bryan, a UVM professor. And, um, and somewhere along the line, we decided that we were going to do a book about legislative and political humor. And by that time, I knew uh, the world did not yet know what a great cartoonist uh, Don was. So we uh, we got him to, to illustrate this book, which was called uh, uh, Out of Order. And and so he was a known commodity. And then when Jeff Danzer and I did a book about uh, Vermont and Trump called The uh, Full Vermont, uh, Don had it. We got hired Don to do a piece in that. And we. Uh, then, I don't know, you tell the rest of the story. Oh, I asked Bill, hey, what are you going to do next? He's already got 17 books in the hopper. <laughs> and some of them are pretty darn good on beer and the U.S. Marines and so on. A whole variety. I mean, beekeeping. He's got the history of beekeeping. came out a year ago. What are you going to do next, Billy? And he says, uh, I'm going to do a book on, and then he scratches his head, Vermont humor, but only if you'll illustrate it. So he bagged me. And, that, and I had been noodling. I've been really kind of, my obsession is climate change and how we're going to get out of the mess that we're creating. Uh, and I can't find much humor in that. So uh, he gave me an assignment that was really fun. And for a couple of years, we kind of gnawed on each other and played off of each other's ideas. He collected the picture, the, the stories, and I tried to draw them. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, seriously, we it really helped that we liked each other. And I think, you know, we did we did feed off each other in, a, in this humorous but also serious way. Uh, and I think it combined has real a real history, which is what I'm really trained as as a historian. But it had Don's very quick uh, graphic wit. Uh, but at the end, I allowed him to have an entire chapter for himself, uh, which he could preach with his art and uh, get all this climate change bullshit into a, uh, onto the pages. So um, it worked out great. And uh, <laughs> we're, we're delighted. I was just thinking about, Billy charges you an arm and a leg for just about anything. So, <laughs> but then he'll give you back a hand. That's your change. <laughs> Arnie, you're wearing your Superman shirt. Uh, yeah, yeah. See, uh, yeah. I bet that's my it's my evening wear here. <laughs> so, 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 talk to us about a bit about that, Bill. Of like. So 
was this concept of this book, was this an idea that you've been stewing on for a while or is this something that kind of hit you as a uh, revelation that this had the the history of Vermont humor hasn't been told yet? Well, it's it's the logical and correct question. And I think, you know, as uh, I've, as I've done books over my life, they, they do grow on you. I mean, you don't have an, I think when I did a book on Paris Island, that was all for fully formed, but, but this, this was growing partly, partly because no one had really shaped. There's a lot of Vermont humor books. I mean, I participated in four of them, right. uh, but there never been one that, that really tried to look at the evolution of humor in a still a light way. I mean, we're not, it's not an academic work. It's, but it is, it does have sections that, and my wife gave us the, I, the um, chapter titles for the chapter about the coming of Flatlanders first. And so that chapter was, came to play. Uh, and then, uh, and then the next, uh, well, really the one about the Flatlanders is came to stay because uh, that was in the 60s. Uh, so we, we, we are trying to have blocks of humor, but not where, where it doesn't work. We don't, we don't push it. Mm. But, but we are trying to get the reader to think, how, how does, does humor within a state and a culture uh, evolve? Um, and um, we, I guess that's as, in, as intellectual as I've ever been in trying to describe this. Um, because we didn't just want to have a joke book. Um, that's tiresome. And and so and so, Don, when you were, I think you you were tasked to do at least a hundred illustrations for the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, would you now? How did how talk talk about just the uh, the creative aspects of that? Did did you have kind of free reign? Did you tell Bill I want to do this many or? No, did, I, I right? produce a couple of pictures and. He'd say, oh, this one's better than that or whatever. But we, uh, there are a number of themes that recur in there. Uh, so it came to play. Uh, that was because we became known as a ski mecca. And then uh, foliage crept in. And uh, so you've got two seasons there, the winter and then the fall. And I had drawn a picture of a, of a guy, actually it was, a representative in the legislature named Oreste Valson Giacomo, and he's standing there looking very Italian and touristy with a camera hanging from his neck, and he's got his arm around a haystack. Uh, and it's so, uh, hay as a tourist attraction was the caption on that. So anyway, we developed five pictures that have to do with Vermont's five seasons. The one uh, about one season, of course, is predictable. Some guy pushing this car that is absolutely way over its rocker panels in mud. And so uh, I'd, I'd ha- hack away at it and uh, Bill would say, this one's better than that. And we threw them in. But I think the genius that uh, Bill uh, did in this was when we abandoned the idea of calling it a history and calling it a collection. Mm-hmm. So then it didn't have to have quite the same tight rigor but he goes back and he draws on the work of Alan Foley and David Smith and and a guy named Davis that uh, and he pulls all of them in so it's legit in terms of really uh, decent information and then the the end chapters are they go from Danny and Danny Gore and the logger 
uh, Rusty DeWeese and Al Bowright and um, move right, right into some present day stand up women on the stage who are fabulous. You, you take over here. I'm, uh, well, yeah, I mean, it was really, uh, I, th I think, probably Dan Bowles of Seven Days, who wrote a wonderful article maybe three years ago about women comedians, stand-up comics in Vermont and about the Vermont Comedy Club and and um, people like Tina Frimmel and... Um, Natalie uh, Miller. Well, Natalie Miller. Uh, and, and it was so... Um, well, it was so well written and so vivid that uh, I went to Hooper. I said, "Look, we we've got to have uh, really an entire chapter devoted to these people, to this to this era of of how Vermont uh, humor has changed. Um, certainly for the for the better, but it is distinctively different from even 30 years ago, or 50 years ago, or 100 years ago." And so we said we we've got to have one one of the, a chapter. And so then we so we mixed. I think we mixed. Uh, well, someone else has has read or heard every story we've got in it. We don't. There's nothing original, except for, <laughs> except for Hooper's cartoons, um, which is why his his name's first. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> he's doing all the heavy lifting. I mean, all I have to do is scribble a few words. Uh, <laughs> What a crop. <laughs> <laughs> so as you, as you kind of brought it up is like, so you've, uh, the two of you have been involved in, in Vermont humor and, and, and being a part of the, the works for well on 30 years, uh, more than that right now, or if since the eighties is, uh, cause I believe out came out what 89, I think. Well, out came out in 87, 87. Okay. The code book came out in 83. And the out of order came out in ninety or ninety one. Okay. Now, do you the goat book? Just to take a parent, <laughs> Maris and I went to the legislature the same year, nineteen eighty five, and this book was just making him famous. And the free press did. <laughs> he sold almost fifty thousand copies. Real Vermonters don't milk goats, and I'm I'm a goat milker. I, <laughs> to God, goat milk. I had a, a, a root that had lasted for 10 years down to Whole Foods. It was then called uh, Bread and Circus down in Boston, mm -hmm. Hanover Co-op and all these places. And fresh goat milk. And a lot of money was coming in, but a lot of money was going out for fence posts and feed. And so I was bearing the brunt. Was, you know, I show up at the legislature's for innocent, innocent freshman. Everybody says, I'm real for, oh, Hooper, you poor. That's, yeah. He's just ruined any chance of credibility you've got. I, you know, I'm trying to, yeah. So that's where we formed that friendship. And oddly, there was a little bit of a, a stand, not a standoff, but uh, we treated each other with mutual deference and respect initially, and then we became friends. Yeah, well, it was fun because there was a reporter from the Free Press named Debbie Sline who wrote an article about a month or two into the session, first session, and said, well, here are the four people that are really uh, go-getters among the freshmen in the legislature. And Don was one of them. <laughs> and then they had two or three people who were sort of also Rams. The second team. Well, I was in that that group, so he rubbed my face in that uh, diminishment <laughs> of, of 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 prestige. 
And so because of that, that have you seen, as, as you mentioned, and I'm wondering if there's a parallel, if it's, you know, if it goes along, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, correlation is not causation or causation not cor- is not correlation. I'm wondering if it's where you've seen the evolution of Vermont humor has also gone with the evolution of the loss of a native Vermont accent. Have you seen that? Vermont humor has evolved over time based off of how Vermont is less insular as it was, say, 40 years ago? That's a great observation. I I agree with that. Um, And the loss of the accent is, um, I don't know whether you'd even know a Vermont accent necessarily in Chittenden County, uh, but where I live in uh, Orange County, right in central Vermont, it's uh, so evident. Uh, some people uh, put one on in order to seem more legit. Uh, I think the humor, to some degree, I'll give you an example. Um, Grandma, you think it's going to rain? Well, if it don't, it's going to be a long dry spell. Now, that's a... that. That humor is so dry that it honestly took me a couple of decades to get it. <laughs> I couldn't even crack a smile. It was just so deadpan. <laughs> so, I don't think you could get away with that anymore. But that's where we, that's, that's the origin of this dry, understated, wonderful Vermont humor. Danziger, what does he say about it? You almost had to be there. You almost had to be there, right. And, um, I was going to get the book. <laughs> Meanwhile, you so, talk. Yeah. Um, some, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of another one in that, in that vein that it's really, um, it's just gentle. It's reassuring. It's comforting. Uh, it's so Vermont that uh, down country people actually, uh, I think, don't get it. They, they really uh, say, "Oh gosh, these guys are pretty, uh, pretty behind the times," you know. So there's nothing flamboyant about it, and it's one of the gorgeous things, especially in this divisive world we live in right now. Is it's not mean. There's nothing mean about it. Even the comeuppance, which is a beauty, you know, that's a that is a genuine. Uh, uh, it's in the Vermont DNA to pull a, a flatlander out of a ditch on a snowy night, and he wants to give you 25 bucks. And the Vermonter, there's nothing that pleases him more than to say, no, here we don't do that. Thanks. I appreciate the gesture, but we don't. And it's <laughs> it's a gorgeous scene when that occurs. <laughs> What are you looking for? Well, I was looking for Danziger's little paragraph there, and I was oh. also looking for doggerel. Do you know where the doggerel oh. thing is? Well, it's in the car. <laughs> <laughs> when it, so I think it was like, yeah, in the intro, it was talking about, like he find, the, kind of phrased it as rye and dry. Basically. Yes, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and yeah. just in case nobody got it, we made up a little poem at the end of the book. That we, that unfortunately, we can't find right now. <laughs> that summarizes what it is about Vermont humor. What what is Vermont humor? Right. 
the work is you mentioned earlier is that you you kind of kit bill you were the ultimate editor i guess on on what don's illustrations were basically is that how that well worked? well i think it was genuinely um there were well certainly that last chapter was the stuff that don wanted to do and and essentially he he wrote most much of the text but on the others um he had been for a year and a half, I think before we started putting the book together, he would send us um, maybe a card, three or four or five cards a week. <laughs> They'd come in uh, from uh, 716 Rally Road, uh, Brookfield, <clears throat> in little little envelopes. And um, they, uh, and, and my wife and I would, would sit, and they, that would be our dessert to have it after dinner. We'd open up the cards and, see see what they were and then we would judge them um and we'd have a pile that was large i mean the larger pile was the ones that were really good and keepers and we would tell don this or that and we might even make a suggestion on sort of rearranging one or two um and some of those ended up being in the book and some of them were just good cards because that's what he does. He writes cards, and then he has these wonderful names on the back of the cards. Uh, what, what do you, you all, call all the different card companies? Well, yeah, different card companies, all of the, all at the same address. Mm -hmm. uh, but the idea was, as I'm going through, we're we're both in our late seventy. Well, Billy's eighty years old now, mm -hmm. and um, so we don't have forever to look forward to. And we're trying to live it up every single day. And so I'm, I mean, there's one of these that uh, asks, what's the difference between being unemployed, fired, um, being, uh, what do you call it, in hibernation, not hibernation, but uh, when, you're, uh, when you're trying to keep away from everybody when you've got COVID. Quarantine. Isolated. Quarantine. Quarantine. Yeah. Between being fired, being in quarantine, uh, being retired. Yeah. Uh, well, from the moment you wake up in the morning, you're on the job. In all of those cases. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm now retired. And so I would think of all the different angles about how being retired is. Right. The other day, some I read in an obituary. Uh, great blues singer said just before he died, he said, you should live every day as if it's your last. I said that to my wife and she said, oh, I guess I don't have to take out the compost. <laughs> <laughs> so, there is so much rich, wonderful stuff right around us and we're going through it every day. Right. You think of all the people that you know who've got birthdays, you want to send them a card. So there's... Hmm. So, so about your artwork, Don, how do you describe, like, do you, are you a, a, a pen and paper kind of person or are you, um, do you sketch out your, your work first and you ink it over or is it watercolor? How do you, it's, what's your... it's pretty amateurish and it's, it's just fun to experiment. And I've always been a goofy drawer. And in fact, uh, years ago, I hired a wonderful um, life drawing instructor for the community college uh, called Joel, a guy named um, Billy Brower, to teach for CCV 
uh, a number of years in a row. And he said, finally, I'm not teaching for you again until you take my course. And I took his course and it ruined my life <laughs> because I, if I were to go through the rules that he taught me, I'd have been anyway. Um, so I have enjoyed, I've gotten comfortable with the fact that I can't draw and that it's just fun to hack around and express myself in first pencil. Then I, uh, I ink it in and add some color. Now they've got these uh, wonderful colored pencils that if you add water to them, that they wash a little bit. Uh, so I'm learning and I'm learning a tremendous amount as I go along. And it's Billy gave me a, tr a lot more confidence in terms of, well, you know, guy is goofy as all get out, but it's it kind of works. Mm. <laughs> And so how did you, so that, I guess my next question for both of you is like, how did you decide to, um, you, you went through a different publishing route than you, you've done previously, correct? Yeah. Well, this is, uh, you know, publishing has changed uh, a lot since the first book that I published 55 years ago. And when you had, you either had an age or you didn't have, but you went really to New York if you wanted to get accepted by the big houses. And right. if you were lucky, you got an advance and then they gave you a deadline and they did the design and did the marketing. Well, that's changed a lot. There was used to be a, 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 a company called Vantage, Vantage Books, I think. And it was, it was the one um, vanity press, the one where you would pay them uh, X amount of money for X amount of copies and they would do everything. Well, now the, the whole field is just blown up. So there's everything from that model back to New York, but New York is much less hospitable to the what what they used to call the back list to the books that are only, you know, they make a little money, they're partial sellers, but they're not blockbusters. And so now there is uh, a number of houses where you can um, pay for part of it. You can pay for all of it. You can pay for a little bit. And uh, Rootstock in Montpelier is um, an openly what they call a hybrid um, uh, press. And they have two um, levels of uh, payment, depending upon how much of the infrastructure they construct for this, um, whether they do the design, uh, how much advertising they might do. Um, and uh, so that we, we chose them um, because, well, we'd heard uh, nice things about them. And um, we frankly didn't want to sit around hoping against hope that either we would be able to get into a fancy place like New York or go search for a, an agent, which itself is a, is a difficult problem because the agents are in the business to make money. They they're not in they're not in uh, um, philanthropic organizations, so they want a completed manuscript to sell. Um, so we've been very happy with this model where we uh, they did one level one level of editing, two level of editing, and the designer. Yeah, two. Mm -hmm. um, and they hired uh, a guy we think is the best book designer in Vermont, maybe in the Ma world. Mason Singer Yeah, and, at uh, Laughing Bear Associates in 
Montpelier. He's really, really excellent. He made the book, which was uh, sort of a more of a scrapbook almost initially, and he he gave it some uh, genuine creative rigor and. Uh, it's a delightful thing. We actually, we ourselves like the thing. Yeah. yeah. We open it up just randomly. We take it to bed to, you know, read ourselves to sleep on it. <laughs> <laughs> but he came up, he, he, he came up with the idea of having a square book, which okay. was a little off, offbeat. And then mm. he, he came up with the idea of dropping uh, quotes into the, into the, um, well, what are they called? The margins. Well, the margins, but the channel in the middle, the, Anyway, so that he, he would pull stuff out of out of text and and then he did the normal designer stuff of, of laying, deciding about the size of the pictures and how they would go. And it's just it's a marvelous book. And we we're so pleased. So he, he'd find a drawing and he'd insert it right there. Oh. <laughs> but not very much. <laughs> <laughs> and then he found a picture of a bunch of cows that I had drawn and said, heard any good ones lately? <laughs> so Singer added his own little uh, yeah. wit to the thing. Yeah, okay. it was great. <laughs> so this was, as you said earlier, this was a uh, this was a pandemic project then, correct? Yeah. 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 But now it's interesting. The other night we were speaking at a... Um, at a wonderful retirement community called Wake Robin in Shelburne, Vermont. And uh, they filled the place with a hundred people. It was their first, the first time that the residents of the community had been able to go out. They all had to wear masks in the audience, but we were entitled to do it, do the performance without them. And we showed them a PowerPoint of, you know, 25 slides or 50, I don't know. Uh, and uh, they, enjoyed it. It was a, it was a very worth, it was a, we got through the pandemic because of this book a lot more easily than I think we would have if, if we hadn't had this distraction and the fun. I mean, it is, it's really fun to collect these stories and then decide which ones are worthy to make it in. And, yeah. I mean, everyone else was crying and we were giggling for the last few years. <laughs> so, how, so how did that work? Did you because of COVID, how did you collect the stories? Did you already have them, and or did you actually have to go out and do no, interviews, were, or how did that we work? Had them, we had them yeah. collect. Okay. I mean, we were collecting them from uh, my our previous books and right. from um, <clears throat> other people. We we had to we had to uh, pay for the rights, uh, but we had a good sense of where the the best humor in each of these historic periods would be and then we we did, we found more than we needed and then it was just a matter of cutting them down and in a few cases rewriting them um but um you know i was able to pull out i wrote a, a piece for about this professor at middlebury named david smith who was a economics professor and he's the only native born vermont professor at middlebury and he used to dress up in farmer gear and he tells stories to the freshmen, uh, and, you know, who were coming from everywhere from China to New York. And uh, so he would tell you. So we I, I wrote this piece for the free press. And um, so we just pulled that out and used at least part of that as a, a, a section. And um, 
And then we took, shamelessly, we took stuff out of the goat book and put it in there. So, so we used stuff that we'd already done. And then we certainly went out and found other people, uh, stuff that had been published or said. Uh, we had a wonderful, found a wonderful piece by Rusty DeWeese, the logger, about how to tell a joke that was in one of his two books, Scrawlings. And so we paid for the right to use that. Um, but the material's all around you. So uh, there was this juicy fight between the guy who made the T-shirt, Eat More Kale, and he got sued by uh, Chick-fil-A because they had a slogan that was Eat More Chicken. And uh, he was trying to get a patent on his or something that would keep uh, keep his trademark intact. And they sued him and took him to court. And of course, it was uh, David Goliath's story. So we did a picture of a guy with a T-shirt that says, eat more kale. Well, our rival state, New Hampshire, what would that have? Eat more donuts. <laughs> so we, we poked, we have a whole chapter poking fun at the differences between live free or die mm -hmm. and the, the, uh, green, the green mountains and the white mountains. Mm. We've got a shouting match across the Connecticut River. <laughs> and two guys, one, one guy, Wally from Walpole, is shouting over. He says, hey, Brayton from Bellows Falls, you ought to come over and visit sometime. You know what we got over here? Oh, my God. We got a legislature with 400 members. And we got all these McMansions. And we got, and we got, and we got. And finally, uh, the guy from Bellows Falls, Brayton, yells back, hey, Wally, we got something over here you ought to say. Oh, what's that? What do you got over there? We got enough. <laughs> well, sometimes you take a, a half, <laughs> you take a choke like that, and uh, it just fit in. So. Right. Anyway. So, so with with the book too, I'm just wondering, like from like academically speaking, in a way, it's is there? Did you find that there there is a is it just a the home team feel to it, or is there a, a, an actual difference in humor that Vermont has as to say Northern New York or New Hampshire? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I think, I think. Well, I think historically, um, Vermont's been a dairy state, uh, and its topography has contributed to a dairy economy mm. for 130, 40 years. Uh, New York has had, at least northern New York, has been mountains and tourism uh, and prisons. Um, and, and New Hampshire, again, is mountains and tourism and logs. Um, and, and, uh, and also, um, I mean, I think that the uh, lack of a general sales, uh, you know, any sales or income tax in New Hampshire, um, clouds, clouds people's minds, or at least they make a conscious choice. I'm not going to pay for government. Um, and then they've had a, a deaf and deadening effect of the single newspaper, the union leader over many years, 50, 60 years, um, has, you know, it's, it's a different place. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know how you'd get a lot of humor out of that. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Definitely done. 
<laughs> but so, and also too, because you're looking at it through like the the 14 counties, but generically the five regions of Vermont, are there uh, are there different? I mean, of course, Northeast Kingdom, but like I'm just wondering if there did you see that there's different types of Vermont humor based off of different parts of Vermont? I don't. I don't yeah, know. I. I don't know. I think we. I, I think even if you live in a more uh, modern and developed urban sort of, there's nothing in Vermont that's terribly urban. But uh, you know, 20 years ago, a fifth of the Vermont population lived in Chittenden County. Now it's a quarter. So uh, people are coming in from elsewhere, and I think they really, they the. Uh, the notion, the trademark Vermont does mean something. Mm. Uh, we had a cheese company and we changed the name in the middle of having it after 30 years. It was it started out as Vermont Butter and Cheese Company and then we changed it when it became big enough so that it no longer needed to look big. Uh, we made it more artisanal by calling it Vermont Creamery. But the Vermont stayed because uh, people uh, really identify that with a quality and a back to land. There's a there's a, a uh, an ambiance that comes out of that, and I think even people who live in and have kind of citified jobs around Vermont uh, aspire to be considered genuine Vermonters, and we deal with that issue about whether it mattered if you were born in the state or whether you came in, but you adopted the values of Vermont, which are, uh, you know, this really is a kind of celebration of Vermont's goodness in wholesomeness in many ways. I, I would go back to the regional humor question, because I think there's a, um, maybe not one and not, not a humor in five different regions, but if you look at the at Northern Vermont, and particularly Northeastern Northeast Kingdom, um, Danny Gore, or Norm Lewis, his real name, uh, made a, a career as a humorist by creating a fictional community called Avery's Gore up in the kingdom, as he would say, and uh, wonderful characters in it. Um, he talked all about it, and, and he created a lot of his jokes about it as he made his perennial unsuccessful run for governor, which he did 10 10, uh, 10 times at least. Um, and uh, so there's there, there's a humor in the sparseness, the mm -hmm. poverty, if you will, of the, the kingdom. Uh, and then just to the west in Lamoille County is is, is um, Rusty DeWeese, who, who built upon um, David Budville's uh, logger to create this uh, with accent and all. Um, so I, I would say that, that whether, I mean, whether you call that Northern Vermont region or, uh, or just say that it's, it is two people at least who are making a profession or made a profession of humor out of their particular location. That is true. Because you can't imagine Rusty DeWeese doing this in Brattleboro. Right. Well, and bringing up Rattleboro, I mean, that's where uh, people did come up from down country uh, in droves. Um, 
I don't know whether the the uh, strolling of the heifers the heifers <laughs> it would uh, anyway there there's plenty of opportunities to uh kind of make fun of the innocent newcomer the the flatlander who comes up tries to be a vermonter and then ends up staying and is, is about as a good a vermonter as you can get in a lot of places gooder gooder <laughs> <laughs> So talking about the, the, the meat of the book, it's like over 200 pages, I believe, right? It's like, I think it's over 200 pages. Every one of them is pregnant with humor and good <laughs> How did you, so at what point did it, what, was it just you, Bill, or was it you, Bill and Don, to kind of help shave it down? Because as you said, you had plenty of, plenty of stuff. What did, how hard was it or how easy was it to say, all right, this isn't making a cut this I like and was there any bantering between the two of you we started with we started with many many children and figuring out which ones we were going to lop their heads off <laughs> really hard but we did we're just brutal <laughs> oh I, I I think it it you know you could almost say it was not it was such a smooth process that that I don't recall uh, any any kind of tense discussion? Do we leave this out? Do we put this in? Uh, do we have to fill in this hole? Uh, I think it it came together. I think there were there certainly were more drawings than we could have done. We could have had a book of 250 or 270 pages, but we did. We felt that as you turn these pages, you want to have some pages could be double trucks without art and but but most of them needed something and this is where mason was such a genius because we gave him uh, the freedom to choose uh from a variety of of art that was not was free form art i mean it was was not tied to a particular story and i think with that kind of flexibility it made made a better book and I don't think there was any magic about ending up with 200 pages, but um, it seemed like a good number. And and uh, is that a yeah? No, I think that's really good. Uh, at one point, uh, to use another cheese analogy, um, we were looking for a really good tasting cheese, but it, the price point had to be nine dollars and ninety cents or something like that. And the only way we could make that, since goat cheese was our business. Um, we had to uh, we had to put a certain amount of cow's milk in, so it was our first hybrid cheese. It was called uh, Cremant, and um, it came in at just nine dollars and ninety cents. We needed something that would slip under that double digit price tag mm. uh, in order to, because we already had a following, but it was a pretty elevated following. These were specialty cheeses that cost a lot. Mm -hmm. And we needed something that would get, start to get down what you'd, if you were a more ordinary person, you'd want to have on your cheese board. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in a way, the 200 pages worked perfectly. It wasn't too much. I think another 100 pages of this and people would say, oh my God, I've had enough of this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if it was only 150, they'd say, Oh, they they were a little stingy. Yeah. 
Were there any illustrations in there, Don, that you were kind of hoping that would would have made the cut? That would not make the cut. That would have made the cut. Is oh, there any yeah. that you? And in fact, uh, one of the people who was in the book uh, did something kind of cool. I thought after he he came out with a book. Uh, his name is Alec Hastings. He he had a book uh, that set on Lake Champlain during Prohibition. It's called Otter Saint Ange and the Bootleggers. And it's a great young adult adventure novel. It really works. And when he finished with that, his uh, daughters gave him a Christmas present, which was a correspondence course that would, where he would have to, they would dredge out of him, the correspondence course, uh, all the family stories. So the, the daughters would learn what the family history was, who the uncles and aunts were, what the grandparents were about and so on. And he did that. And he came up with a very sweet autobiography as a consequence uh, that he just self-published or yeah. what have you recently. And so both Bill and I are a little bit inspired by that. You know, it feels um, kind of uh, self-centered. It feels um, presumptuous, I think, uh, to think that an ordinary person like me should write up my life or something. But I've got all these pictures I want to use. <laughs> and, and most of them are me. There's a hapless character that we call Bubba Lugnut in some <laughs> captions. And sometimes he's called Norbert. And other times he's called Ezra. But they're always the same kind of woebegone, hapless, uh, you know, fumbling character. And that's who that it's really me. So I want to do that story. <laughs> and introduce my kids to uh, my aunts and uncles and grandparents. So, so what? So what's next for what's the, what's next for you two? Now that's yeah. the one for me is is that to get, get, get the autobiography. You know, on the theme that an unexamined life isn't worth living. That's the sort of backdrop to it. And there's enough humor. I'm trying to think of things that aren't self-aggrandizing as much as lessons I've learned along the way in spite of myself. Mm -hmm. So there'll be as many lists of screw ups as there are of um, trophies. Right. <laughs> what about you, Bill? It's a secret. Yeah, it's a secret. Oh, so you do have something in the hopper. Then, he does. Huh? He's only got two more. No, one more. And then you get to 20. I got to 20. 20 yeah. books. Yeah. Can you imagine? Wow. And do you have and are, is it it's it kind of similar in vein to your other humor books as well? Uh no. No. Oh. Okay. Well, <laughs> well you so I got to so Bill is actually pretty well educated. <laughs> Which you'll find out when he'll spring a word like <laughs> paraprostokian. Paraprostokian. You know what a paraprostokian is? A pair of, well, I know I know what one prostogian is. I don't know what a pair of them is, but yeah. Oh, probably. no, no, no. There's one ah. word, right? <laughs> <laughs> that is. All right, give him your example. Oh, uh, no. No, 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 your example of pair of prostogian, the parachute. Oh, yeah. So, you know, you don't need a parachute to skydive. You only need a parachute to skydive. Twice. Twice, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <That's a> <laughs> it was uh, it's like the uh, somebody said. Uh, uh, I saw a joke the other day that said, oh, "Oh 
Originally, it was called. Originally, he was going to call it umbrella, but he hesitated. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, gosh. So this is so we're we're at the top of the hour now. So, and I got to say, uh, uh, congratulations on 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 producing a a, a very well received book. Um, we've seen, I'm, you know, looking at it, we've gotten a lot of good reviews for it and everything. And, and so where can people, where, where, where's the easiest place for people to purchase this book? Well, the, the easiest place is, um, the, uh, is your local bookstore. Um, if you, you can get it at Amazon, but we don't get any money out of that. And, uh, so, Get it, order it through your local bookstore. Local bookstore, or you can just look up on the, you know, and order directly from, <clears throat> from Rootstock. But the bookstore is the place to go. Um, and it looks like the hard cover is sold out so far. There's good. That's right. Yeah. But, or if you happen to know Bill or Don, that's us, uh, write to us or call us up and yeah. we'll send you one. Yeah. We'll sign it and inscribe it however you want yeah we'll send it for free i mean with we'll pay the postage yeah. and we we do a little bit better in that deal yeah okay. we do a lot better in that deal. So, so yeah if you the soft if cover you get is anybody 20. calls you up and say how do we get a hold of this guy give him give him our and basically that's what we'll say is say get a hold of us send us a check and we'll send you the book sign right but your local bookstore support them yeah right good Good. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Don and Bill. I sure appreciate it. And so listen, uh, Don, when you work on your autobiography, come back on the show. We'll talk about it. Same thing for you, Bill. Bill, come back on with your when you're done with your right. your, your top well. secret uh, top secret project. So <laughs> no, this has been a blast. Thanks so much for having us. Gosh, you've yeah. asked great questions and uh <laughs> So, yeah, Don will certainly come back on the show. Keep, keep up your curiosity. <laughs> it's, remember, it's not the destination. It's the journey. That's right. That's right. The last That's page right. in the book. Some, so, so Bill, are those like some ribbons or awards you have behind you? What are those? Uh, let's see. I don't know. I, oh, I, that's his Harvard diploma. That's my Harvard diploma. That's a, uh, <laughs> I got a, I got a marathon medals. I okay. Got, he puts it up there just to remind himself that he did this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that was private. I'm not...